0: Hey I'm Alan McGuire.
1: I'm Cassie Delaney.
0: And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were young. Our guest today is a singer-songwriter whose album The Sum of the In Between, is out now and it's amazing. Maria Kelly, welcome to the show.
2: Hello, thank you for having me.
0: So good to have you. Uh, you picked a great topic. It's, I've had so much fun like, re-immersing myself into it because I was completely immersed in it for a good year and a half in 2007. No Please tell us what you picked.
2: I picked the film slash soundtrack of Juno, which I just remember being such a film that made an impact on me. Um, I think I was 14 when it Mm -hmm. came to Ireland. I think it was, yeah, it came out 2007 and then it was in Ireland 2008. Um, It was really the start of my teenage years. So it's something that I just have such a snapshot of in my head.
0: That seems like a perfect film to see as a teenager because I was mm-hmm. twenty three, twenty four, I think, when it came right out. Up, yeah. I remember seeing it in mm-hmm. the cinema and like buying the soundtrack and like listening to it on repeat in my first grown up job yeah. as a I'm still cool even though I'm wearing a shirt and tie kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but how was it? Like, what attracted you to it as a as a teen?
2: Um, I think it was like my first introduction to like proper indie music. Like, I had mm. maybe heard of a couple of people, but I was still very much listening kind of to what my friends listened to or maybe some stuff my brother listened to and this was like my first step into more obscure music and um there was also just such a quirkiness about the film that I don't think I had seen up to that point I hadn't really seen any like coming of age films as of yet and um yeah just the whole the whole story how it's written how it is filmed the soundtrack especially i was like to this day i know every word of that soundtrack so well it's like i don't know how it was imprinted on my brain but i know it so well um and it's just like a whole world in itself that film that i feel like really had a a lasting impact on a lot of people probably
0: diablo cody really did do an amazing job Mm. like of filling out every little corner of that world as it relates to you you know like even like rain wilson as the shop assistant yeah he's like a fully fledged person even though he's only there for a little yeah. like 20 30 seconds uh cassie what was your experience with the film
1: um yeah i mean very very similar i was kind of i think i was like 17 18 when i fought, saw it for the first time and again like that like my first foray into slightly alternative cinema um mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the soundtrack I definitely loved it and it like inspired something. But I was already in that kind of deep uh OC soundtrack mode where you'd find like the most obscure song and then like love that band and be like, Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you might know them from the OC, but like I've obviously loved them forever. Yeah. <laughs> um but like I remember trying to find films that gave me that same sort of magic mm-hmm. feeling of Juno for a really long time and I think the story like if we talk just like for a few minutes about kind of general plot of the film it's mm-hmm. like it's a very kind of basic well it's a teenage love story really two friends an accidental pregnancy and um, you know what happens the kind of fallout from that and the relationships that Juno has as a teenager to the rest of her family members and her best friend and and all that kind of stuff. Like the, the actual plot is nothing terribly innovative, but the way no, that the story new, is yeah. told and also the the type of characters it have. Like it's a it's a teenage love story without the typical jock heartthrob. And I really mm. loved that. Um so trying to seek out like every Michael Sarah film or like every Elliot Page film that I could try and find and absorb them all because it just has such a, a special, special vibe to it
2: for sure yeah um yeah i totally agree um like even just that what you're saying of like the there's there was such a cookie cutter high school movie at the time um and do you know is such a film from like the perspective of the teenage girl who is pregnant and her world and um i think even the the pregnancy story as you were saying nothing new about that but i think everywhere else it showed up around that time and in probably like many places since it was always dramatized it was always like focused on the morality of this happening and like uh you know parents having huge reactions or it be you know and this was like a film that explored it like it like it was a serious life mm-hmm. altering event but it was in this very like even her parents they're so logical they're so like calm about the whole thing so like matter of fact um and it kind of has that theme throughout of like uh just how you persevere I guess in, in hard times if that makes sense.
0: Because like at, at, remember at the time there was a big debate about whether it was like a pro-life or a pro-choice film and I don't think mm-hmm. it's either really it's just about a girl who decides to put it up for adoption it's not, it doesn't come down really on either side of that debate but that was kind of the big thing around it at the time but I really don't think it really necessarily picks a side or wants to pick a side
1: yeah i mean I, I think they deal with that really really well like i think it presents the i mean it's been a long time since i've seen the film but like even reading back over it and, and and looking at kind of um snippets of it today from what i remember like they present that really accurately and really like i suppose true to life like her experience of first of all deciding that that's what she wanted to do she was going to have an abortion going to the clinic she's faced with loads of protesters and this kind of um
0: just one just one girl from a class
1: yeah, yeah. And then, oh, yeah and then yeah decides yeah. to choose you know a, a, an alternative path like i think that it it doesn't say much about either side it doesn't say this one is better mm-hmm. and this one is whatever and it's certainly um it's not a particular it's not a facet of the film that i found particularly sticking um mm. so i wouldn't I, I, I would say that it's it is a lot of things this film but it is not political
2: no not mm. at all
0: let's talk about the parents actually because jk simmons and Alison uh, Janney mm. are incredible in this they're film.
2: amazing in it yeah our parents
0: that scene yeah the scene where she's telling them and like they kind of are leaving and she leaves and <laughs> the, jk simmons is like paulie beaker didn't think he had it in him yeah <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. There's so many good like one-liners like that, even when yeah. when they're like, Is this like did you see this coming when we sat down? And they're like, I was hoping it was like hard drugs, anything but this. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. so it's so witty.
1: It's incredibly witty. And I think like the whole thing, that the their reaction as well, like at every stage in this film and every scene, it's like they're it's. I mean, part of the story is probably exaggerated and maybe it's not like exactly true to life. But in every part of this film, they're breaking the mold of what that teenage drama is mm-hmm. to the point of like the comical parent reaction to yeah. like Pauly Bleecker being the heartthrob. Like my, and by the end of Juno, yeah. you're like, I fancy Michael Sarah. Like, you know, it's yeah. like how have they presented this? How have they done that? And I just saw him.
2: I just saw him like rub deodorant on his legs how did I just fall in love with this person
1: <laughs> exactly and I think that that's um it's so every turn in this film is so unexpected you know and that's yeah. what makes it I think mm-hmm. so special
2: for sure
0: Michael Sarah was having such a time then as well because Superbad was the same year mm, and Arrested yeah. Development had just finished uh, Scott Pilgrim was three years later I remember I was obsessed with Michael Sarah.
2: At the I, just anime, I, yeah. I
0: was just following every i was like following everything he was in i was like if it's like michael sarah's i'm gonna watch it mm-hmm. i my band uh sent his band a friend request on myspace <laughs> yeah, then, and then they they did accept oh and i said thanks for the ad and they said you're welcome and i still remember them saying you're welcome because it was very important it's my first oh time to the encounter Amazing. Yeah. I put him straight into my top eight yeah
2: Oh my god, 2008! What a time!
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um it's
1: it's a great cast as well. And I think it's um because it was probably such a mainstream success for like, success for like an alternate film. It's probably uh what led a lot. Like I know for me, like I started following every sort of like Alison Janey films and like really trusting mm-hmm. the cast members in their decisions and what films they were going to be in. Um. Yeah. So like yeah, like that, like Alan, Watching everything that Michael Sarah was ever part of. Was really my first, like not the first time I saw Alison at Janie, but like the first time I really loved her. And was like, this woman chooses this type of films that I of adore. Yeah. Really great roles, and I think that's um like when you look at the cast now in high school, it's incredible. It's like, just an incredible like list of people, and everyone's so perfectly chosen. Jennifer Garner and Jason Bateman as like your suburban parents. Mm beautiful great i believe that
2: entirely i i loved how small the the cast was like there's there's Mm. actually not that many characters in this film at all but they're all so well thought out and they all really develop and they feel like real people like all of them Mm -hmm. which is like really hard to do in a film and they've just like ticked the box with all of them
0: especially it's a 92 minute film which i I Mm. realized it's so short because like yeah every character has well, like Juno, Jason Bateman Jennifer Garner they all have like a full season of a drama type character arcs mm. like Jason Bateman goes from cool guy to the creepiest man in yeah. like modern cinema maybe <laughs> very very quickly I think I don't know I know the red flags popped up on him quite quickly when I was watching it when I was 23 they were like that when I was watching it, now that I'm
2: yeah. the
0: exact same age that he was I'm like oh yeah this, this is not how a 37000000 man should should ever, ever behave around anybody. No. He is... Uh, I, like, was cringing out of my skin every second he was on screen watching mm. the back there's, Yeah, there's it some really, really
2: awkward scenes with mm-hmm. him in particular. But I think I think that was almost purposeful. Like, there's such oh, an sure. awkward absurdity to the whole thing. Um, yeah. And, yeah, with him, like, when I was watching it again, I, I was... Because I don't think I've watched it for maybe a couple of years and I watched it last night as well. Mm. And it's the same as yourself of watching it as an adult now. Um, what am I saying? Last my train of thought.
0: I think you, when you're younger, you have a bit of a false impression of how young you can be and still be like friends with older people mm-hmm. and what that acceptable age gap is so if you're like 16 watching that you're like well he's like he's just a guy but when you're 37 watching back you're like oh he's a guy yeah like you know it's not good it really it's not felt the same bad. at all
2: yeah 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 for like sure Like when,
0: when they're watching the film and he has his arm on the back of the sofa but there, there's still the distance between them but like his arm is there on the back of the sofa yeah. you know it's like blah.
2: it's still weird
0: yeah, I can I'm, I'm finding it difficult to put into words how skeeved out I was by Jason Bateman <laughs> in this film, on a on an adult rewatch. Yeah,
1: mm. never loved Jason Bateman though. Um, yeah, I think the the whole film is uh well we, we were saying there about like the awkwardness of it and like it's so endearing. I mean, even the fact that this film is about a pregnancy is you know one of the, the key driving plots. It's like the least sexy film you'll ever see. Like it's mm-hmm. only endearing and cute. But like absolutely not sexy even you know the the kind of the staging of the whole thing it opens up with uh, Elliot Page as Juno's saying it started with a chair and there is a kind of leather recliner and then a scene where <laughs> Juno just like sits on Michael Sarah and it's just like not it's it's not in any way sexy at all. It's just so relatably horrifically awkward
2: yeah it's the perfect like actual capture of like your first time as a teenager and just like how strange it is How like like the, when she's talking about such minute details like the tic-tac smell of his breath and like <laughs> there's all these just tiny things that um yeah really I think really give a voice to that type of teenage film which which I had definitely hadn't seen at the time where it wasn't sensationalized or like super American high school kind of thing.
1: Totally. Like, I mean, 2007, my teens was like peak and we were probably past like the Freddie Prince junior era, but like it was, I think maybe the duff probably came like a little bit later than this to try to break the mold as well, slightly. But like, we still grew up on a diet of like 10 things I hate about you. And um, you know, save the last dance. I'm you know, really <laughs> just have what's her name stuck in my head. I'm tending to say about you. The main
0: Julia Styles. Julia
1: Styles. All of those kind mm. of ridiculous films, you know. The the um any any teenage film that was about a dance off between people just presented this <laughs> whole like weird, unreachable world. Like I thought America mm-hmm. must have been like, I, I thought people came out of the womb at, like, 23. Like, they just, everyone yeah. in America seemed so grown up and be- beautiful, and they had their lives together, yeah. and they all went to these, like, incredible parties and drank from solo cups all the time, and, like, you know, they all had six-packs and were gorgeous. And to be brought up on, like, and even in, even in like, say, 10 Things I Hate About You, like, the alternative person is, like, Heath Ledger, who's still... Like, by all intents and purposes, just a total fucking jock, just a beautiful Mm -hmm. jock who has slightly longer hair. So, to see a film like Juno, where it's actually, you know, they are, you know, they're not gorgeous people, but like they're not what we were presented as, as like the incredible beauty standard of American teen film.
2: Mm. It's interesting that they even tear that apart with Mark and Vanessa, because like they're the picture-perfect suburban couple that you would maybe see in those scenarios and uh you know by the end that's the thing that's clearly falling apart and not working and although on the outside it's like perfect and even from juna's point of view a perfect family um but by the end it's like not not it doesn't have any substance
1: yeah there's kind of the two running themes i guess of like the expected and then like the alternative so like you know Mm. they they have this sort of like step by step the living your life in the way that it's designed to be lived or like what you're told to live this suburban dream and then Juno is you know it's really actually despite this suppose the not the crisis but maybe the emergency or the unexpectedness of this pregnancy it's really Juno and um paulie Bleeker, who kind of find their happiness by mm. the end of the film find their kind of like little alternative magic
2: yeah
0: i mean yeah like mark and vanessa like vanessa is is kind of just kind of killing time for she has a baby i think essentially she just that's all she wants she's kind of her house their house is like um i saw someone online say that it's like vanessa just reads every single house magazine and just tries to make it all work like puts, puts it all into the house mm. <laughs> and it's just but actually what she really wants is just a messy house full of baby stuff yeah and she's just kind of killing times so she can do that whereas mark is just this man whose band supported the melvins 15 years ago mm. and never got over it the, you know the worst part the worst mark part besides the bit where he like tries to leave his wife for juno is <laughs> later when um she asks Vanessa ask him if he's going to stay in a hotel and he's like no I got a loft and she's like oh that's how cool of you and he smirks because he does think it's cool yeah he's like, oh. it is cool of me you're right I am still cool
2: oh. even
0: his clothes they all don't quite fit him properly like the no. the preppy thing that she hasn't that he kind of you can tell Vanessa's made him dress in for the first meeting doesn't is it's like a uniform on him it's not suiting him but also like the, the very old plaid and band t-shirts also look out of place on him. And I think they made his hair like more businessy just to make it incongruous because his hair isn't normally quite that mm. bad. But it just, <laughs> he just does not, he, there's such a clash between how he still thinks of himself and like as someone who still wears plaid band t-shirts at his 37, I'm being very, very aware of what I'm saying about myself <laughs> for all of this as well. I It's, um... There's, like, a set of male characters in films that you have to check yourself against if you own a guitar and are in your 30s. Like John Cusack and I Fidelity and Mark and Juno. They're, like, just do a check against yourself every couple of years ago. Am I avoiding... Am I still swerving this person? They're very good instruct- instructive characters for, like, young men to avoid, I think. And Juno is an amazing character for, like, teenagers, because she's so confident and so funny and like in a way that I think I remember Ellie Page saying this at the time that girls don't really get to be that funny in films yeah the way Juno is like it's just not a thing Juno really did like break the mold for that kind of thing
1: absolutely and like um I think the, the 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 juxtaposition of Juno who has like made this very um informed and rational decision that she wants the baby to be raised by a loving family. Uh, and to see that juxtaposed beside Mark, who's really just like going with the not facing up to his feelings, uh, you know, reluctantly admits that he doesn't want to be a father and like is stuck in the past. It's nice to see it. I think it's probably nicer in now being a little bit older because, you know, you think you're the, the wisest person in the world when you're a teenager. But now like looking back on it in your 30s and being like, oh, I can kind of see how... Both of those things could happen and be true. Mm. Mm. You know, maybe I'm the band T-shirt wearing rock star who refuses to grow up.
2: Um, When you're talking about like decisions there, that's something I kind of found when I was watching it again. I I felt like I was doing my leave insert again. I was like, what are the themes of this film? (laughs) Um, But like, I feel like the whole film is about decision making, actually. And like how teenagers make decisions, or how we expect teenagers to make decisions, and then how we make decisions as adults. Um, cause I read, I was reading somewhere online, you know, how they do the thing where, um, it's told in four seasons. Mm. Mm. So, like the starts in autumn, autumn, winter, spring, and summer. Um, and that d- the decisions people are making develop each season. So, like it starts, and we think Gino is kind of this, like, um, You know, she she makes decisions on a whim and this was an accidental pregnancy and she's not really thinking through things. And then, you know, then suddenly she's really like set on this long term adoption plan. And then I I guess it kind of turns like what is being childish on its head, because then obviously we meet someone like Mark, who's like making all these terrible, immature decisions. Um And is really like kind of just this giant child himself. Um, and yeah, I just I, I found that interesting when I was watching it and kind of reading about it again of like what we'd expect from that situation versus what what develops.
0: Yeah, Juno's so like sure of herself, like when she makes a mm-hmm. decision, like they're like, like, are you like 80 percent, 90 percent? She's like, I'm 104 percent sure yeah. I want to do this. Like it's and she doesn't change on that. And mm-hmm. it's. The same. She decided she wanted to have sex with Paulie Beaker and she did. And then, yeah. then she decided she wanted to have an abortion. And then she said she didn't, and she's never. She always makes clear-cut decisions. Yeah. Throughout the film, she never really wavers on anything. Whereas everybody else is like Mark and Vanessa. We see them like, always quite unsure of themselves. And I think that's possibly the instability that Mark gets. We we find out that they almost had a kid before from someone else, but mm. it fell through, and. At the time, we think that maybe the the mother of that child decided against it. But I kind of got the impression towards the end that maybe Mark made them pull out of it.
2: Oh, maybe yeah. There's
0: a kind of a a weird hurt between both of them that about that, that. I don't know. Mm. Um, but yeah, you're totally right about the, about decisions. Yeah, like adults don't they think too much? <laughs> or Juno <Yeah>. does? Juno <laughs> just does it.
1: Yeah. yeah, and there's no like lingering. Um, in like it's not indecision but there's no like you know the way you, so many teenage films we see are like coming of age films it's all about figuring stuff out and like the process and like reaching mm-hmm. a decision and accepting it and like reflecting and all that kind of stuff and it's refreshing to see that you know it's like i'm doing this i do love Polly mm-hmm. bleaker and then when the the um, when mark and vanessa's marriage is clearly falling apart um being able to sort of realize that her you know her initial want of the wanting the baby to be raised by a loving modular typical mm-hmm. family when that wasn't gonna happen she was able to like very quickly realize that that maybe not isn't the necessary option all the time and mm-hmm. still then comes to an agreement with Vanessa and leaves her that little if you're what's
2: it if you're in I'm in, if you're, still in if then, you're still in I'm, I'm in I'm
0: yeah yeah. Still yeah, in. yeah oh
2: that moment. Oh <laughs> that gets me every time (laughs) yeah Yeah, when you were talking about just like family like her her wanting such a perfect family for the child um i love that realization at the end of just that that doesn't really exist you know that the the i think one of the most touching moments in the film um which is wonderful because it like balances you know so much of the weird quirkiness with like this really amazing conversation, say, for example, that she has with her dad, that's like just about everlasting love. And if it's that she, like, the only time we actually see Juno get really upset about this horrible situation she's in for, you know, for a 16 year old, it can be so difficult that, like, she's upset because Vanessa and Mark are not a perfect family and they're falling apart and everything she believed could happen in a family is not happening mm. and just that moment where she's talking to her dad is so like just so touching he says something like um like what i think is you just you just have to find someone who loves you exactly the way you are and who thinks the sun shines out of your ass or something so i've definitely butchered that line but <laughs> um yeah it, it just hits it hits such huge topics in such simple ways i think
1: that's it it's just it's such a simple easy like just beautiful story to sit and absorb and really that you know thinking about when you i suppose when you watched it for the first time it probably is one of those moments where like you okay you, you don't necessarily walk out of the cinema and be like ah love is different and varied mm-hmm. and whatever but it's definitely a kind of message that we started to absorb at that age where you're like okay ch- constantly chasing this idea of perfection is mm. it's just like it's it's the horizon like you're never gonna you're never gonna catch it or whatever yeah, it's never doesn't, it, exist. doesn't exist it's mm. you know Um, so it's brilliant let's talk a little bit about the soundtrack because you did you you said Mm. film and soundtrack together Um. so what just talk us through like your reaction your favorite songs how Mm. and how that
2: how did that music impact
1: your own career your own musical yeah
2: hugely actually and like I've really traced stuff back to that I I adore the soundtrack I adore all of it it's like the best mixtape you could get from a friend like ever <laughs> it's such a mix of things but everything complements each other and i think um so it was the first time i discovered kimia dawson that's like my main my main takeaway from it because i'd never heard somebody write songs the way she writes songs mm-hmm. i had never heard somebody like play Different stringed instruments the way she plays stringed instruments. It was and it's recorded so like organically and really just full of like mess, like it was messy mm. music, and I loved that so much. Um
0: it just it just feels like she's just talking to you and yeah. happens to be strumming a guitar at the same time. Mm. It's such a stream of yeah. consciousness, mm-hmm.
2: like writing. Um, I think tire swing is one of my favorite um, songs from the soundtrack um she does a lot of them I think a lot of them are her originals and then she wrote some for the film um and then yeah it was like like so many of the bands I hadn't heard of at all and it was the same as what you were saying of like that it it was that thread that pulled me into those different bands at different yeah. stages and um, like the Carpenter song that's on there um who else is it M- Mata Hoopo? Yeah. yeah yeah yeah. um and ben
0: sebastian
1: but yeah, yes like and then yeah. there's some like real classics that probably well like for me i definitely think you know i mean the, the kinks um sonic youth you know it's mm-hmm. it's got a really good uh nice mix of velvet underground like cat power incredible just mm-hmm. classics in there with as well this like new I adore sorry I have a cat here who's dying <laughs> to be on uh on the podcast. <laughs> um Hello. there is there is that beautiful mix of like just really good tunes and then sto- musical storytelling and mm-hmm. even the you know the the film culminates in this beautiful scene with uh with Juno and and Paulie Bleeker playing music together
2: um what's that song called again all i uh oh,
0: anyone else on. but you anyone else yeah, but you, you. Yeah. oh my god
2: i was obsessed with that song i think i oh, completely yeah. tried to f- i was like somebody has to learn the other <laughs> part. we have to yeah. sing it together right now <laughs> um and I, it was definitely one of those things of like mm, i'm a different teenager i listen to different music and we're gonna i know you're like playing that pop song over there but listen to this <laughs>
0: But, like, Kimmy Dawson is genuinely very different. Like yeah. She's, yeah. like, even, like, if, you, if you're getting into, like, alternative music and indie music, she's, like, still two steps down the rabbit hole there. So yeah, if you're yeah. starting from there, you're in a really good spot. Exactly,
2: yeah. yeah. I think it was, like, and I think around the same time I had discovered Regina Spectre. So mm. I was really thrown into the, just this, like, alternative, weird way of... Um, specifically lyric writing like i think the lyrics are so bizarre in some of those songs and so not what you would ever have heard <laughs> yeah. um and i think it just like yeah really really opened up this question in my head of like oh wait like there's loads of things you can write about there isn't just like mm. this one way of doing things mm. were
0: you already writing songs about it or did that come later
2: um it was around the same time as well mm. so i i had got a guitar maybe like two years prior but i had learned like three chords and was not really doing much but i think yeah like when i think back to around that time with the regina specter album that film um like i think i was just discovering so many different things that fed into putting the two together i had always loved words and like writing in school um in some point, yeah, join them all together.
1: And um, it's really interesting, as well I think, because the nature of the film is, and we've described it throughout this conversation, like it's a little bit alternative, and it's you know, um, it was like definitely one of the films that kind of stuck out for for me as being like something new, um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and like looking at some of the other films that were out in like two thousand seven, you know, uh. Freedom Riders which is a good film but like because I said so with you know um Diane Keating and like all these you know just standard Hannibal um normal music and lyrics that terrible film with Hugh Grant and Drew Barrymore like <laughs> it's just like very average films but yeah thinking that like juno was super alternative but like it was still it was like up for three oscars like it was it actually mm. won the best original screenplay so like it yeah was it also won
2: super mainstream yeah it really broke through um it won something for the soundtrack as well like best soundtrack in something deserved. that's a well
0: deserved.
2: N- not much detail there for me but <laughs> it won something about its sound- soundtrack and yeah very much well deserved there was also a Chris
1: Rock and, and Louis C.K. film that year called I Think I Love My Wife, which I have never seen, but I can only imagine is the antithesis <laughs> of Juno. Oh, no.
2: Was that also the first big film where we first saw Elliot Page?
0: Uh, he had been in Hard Candy before that.
2: Okay. I think that um, Juno that was, was definitely... the
0: x men I think.
2: Right, okay. Do, yeah, I think yeah. it was definitely the first one I saw him in. Um, oh, that, yeah, me too, yeah, yeah. But, like, his performance in that is... In, in Juno, I, mm-hmm. I feel like was so incredible. Just, like, the perfect description of that kind of character.
0: Oh, it's completely fully realized. I remember I was mm-hmm. watching it last night, and I was like, I'm having so much fun watching this film. Yeah. I just... Enjoying the hell out of my life watching this film right now. This is such a good film.
1: You know, there's very yeah. few films where you can walk away and be like really touched by them and not feel like incredibly anxious and be worried about the characters afterwards. Like, <laughs> you know, when you walk away from Juno, that they're lovely. And this is like a quality mm-hmm. that I think Michael Sarah has in film. Like, uh, one of the, the films that came at, I'm pretty sure it came after, was oh, yeah. So, a year later, he did Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Again, mm-hmm. just like, another film where there's not a lot of conflict and it's just sometimes mm. you want to sit there and watch a film where there is I know conflict is like the driving force of many plot ever of all time but like it is nice to be able to sit there and enjoy something and just feel good afterwards and he definitely has that quality
0: the, my, sure. my favourite Paulie Bleaker bit is at the end when Juno says to him um you're so cool, and you don't even try. And he's like, I try really <laughs> hard. I try really hard. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> we have to talk about Polly Bleeker. Like, what a character! Mm-hmm. Just every time he's on screen, it's incredible, and it's it's done in such a way where, like, he doesn't know he's even on screen. Like, he doesn't know, uh, like, how just ridiculous of a person. He's. With a running team. Yeah. Such a motif throughout Especially the whole Halloween thing.
0: costume as well. I feel like there was a yeah, lot of true. That year. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's just ever but like isn't
1: do, isn't that just Michael Sarah? Like, do that I yeah. can't imagine him being anything other than exactly how Polybleaker is.
2: Then an awkward teenage boy.
1: Yeah, just a perpetual awkward teenage boy. Like I would never I I I just couldn't like Imagine Michael Sarah driving like a cool car or like having a house or like a grown up relationship. It just it just will not stick in my head. Like he is perpetually awkward and very quiet and nervous.
0: Yeah, I watched him on Hot Ones, which is the uh, YouTube chat show where people eat increasingly hot chicken wings as they're being interviewed and it melts their brain and, and lips as they're talking. And he just handled everything. He could just eat. Really hot chicken wings. I assumed he would melt into a puddle. Wow. But he's like a, a pepper demon of some sort. <laughs> I've never seen anybody handle it better than Michael Sarah handled the chicken wings on hot ones. It was really, really surprising.
2: The only time I've seen Michael Sarah like not be what you expect Michael Sarah to be is in This Is the End. Have you seen that like end oh, of I the haven't. world yeah. film? Yeah. Um there's just a very brief scene where he's in it so like all the like there's loads of celebrities in it and they're all playing themselves mm-hmm. and they've written him as himself as like a total dickhead and it's just <laughs> so funny like he's like at this party and he's like doing loads of drugs and he like is slapping women's asses and he's just like the total opposite of what anyone expects him to be um, and yeah did not did not fit at all <laughs>
0: Have either of you seen Youth and Revolt, which I think is from like 2008, 2009? Uh, no, I don't think Whereas so. Whereas again, he's like, he's playing like Paulie Bleeker, but then he's also playing his alter ego Francois, who's like an evil Michael Cera.
1: <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes.
0: It's really, really good. Uh, that whole like like 2005, to 2009 uh, wavy hand-drawn font film is like, I think, I think I'll ever quite get over that as an aesthetic, it's, it'll always be slightly my aesthetic <laughs> like, like Tom Sucker up to Away We Go, kind of that period of uh, indie films
1: I have never met another person who enjoys Away We Go I love it, From
0: I love the time, we go it was yeah. like one of
1: my favourite films another great cast Um, like my, the, I fell in love with Maya Rudolph and everyone, I it's that kind of film where I sit down and make people watch it and watch their reaction as they watch it mm-hmm. and it's never good it's never positive. Everyone's really? Like, Everything, like, this is so boring. I was like, um, no, it's not. It's about a gorgeous couple trying to find their place in the world. And secondly, <laughs> it is nice to watch a film where it's not about things being blown up all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. And everything's a lovely autumnal, like brownish yellow. And people are nice to each other, just about. And you feel nice after it. And that's a nice, and there's some nice acoustic guitars on the sound. And do you know what? Is, that's Alison, really my ideal film. Alice
1: and Janie again. Yep. So yeah, it is really fantastic. Sorry, there is another there is another creature um looking for feature in this emerging. Yeah, well done. Yeah, well done, Scotty. Hey, (laughs) Scotty. Sorry. Um. Yeah. That kind of that that typical. uh, All of the film posters had like a blue sky and a yellow hand drawn font and. Five hundred days of summer vibes, you know, all those yeah. like slightly unusual <laughs> mainstream indie films that we all thought we were incredibly alternative loving, but actually yeah. everybody <laughs> fucking loved
0: them. Do we have anything else to say about Juno?
2: I love everything about it. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to but
1: there, there really is nothing else to say other than it's a perfect film to watch that, like to sit down at
2: like two o'clock on a Sunday and just enjoy. Mm. Mm. Very true. And this is a very weird um, side note, but I think it's a beautifully graded film. Mm. All of the colours are just chef's kiss. Uh, it's such a warm, cosy film. And I remember seeing that as a kid and like it's stuck in the back of my head and now for music videos and stuff i'm like just make it kind of look like do (laughs) you know can you make it look like this please thank you when you
1: start to notice details like that in film and like Mm -hmm. on the online stuff i'm obsessed also and will try like constantly seek out things that are like the things that are just aesthetically pleasing to watch on the screen for a really long time i mean like i can sit down and almost mute and watch annie wes anderson the film just because i love mm. his color grading
2: yeah uh
0: yeah so maria please plug your stuff to everybody tell, okay. tell us we can find all your things
2: plug my stuff um so i have an album out it's called the sum of the in between it's a couple of weeks old um, and I'm launching that album in the workmen's club on uh tomorrow if this is going out on November 11th so November 12th awesome yeah um so if anyone hears this and wants to come tomorrow please do
0: the album is so good everybody really thank you the uh, I don't know. If t- if our good friend andrea cleary wrote a lovely newsletter about yeah the only, my friend actually notes yeah, notes yeah my
2: friend just sent that to me um recently and i was trying to actually find andrea's email to message her and say thank you so maybe i'll ask you guys for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and she's
0: into the podcast as well so oh, you've, you've just told her now yeah well thank you <laughs> uh cassie where can we find you
1: uh i am all over the internet at cassie lorraine
0: uh, I'm Alan underscore McGuire and Juvenilia is Juvenalia underscore pod on Twitter Juvenilia pod on Instagram thank you to Steve McDonald for our artwork uh, we do have a Patreon where we do bonus episodes our scheduling has gone all over the place right now but there are lots of bonus episodes up there and there will be more in the future um, and you get a badge and a postcard thing uh, it's, it's really cool uh, but that's it for now uh, we'll see you in two weeks and thank you so much again Maria. This thank you my, for
2: having bye. me it was lovely. Bye everybody
0: Bye-bye.